White Ice, uh, 2018, a year of questions and conversations on race with United Methodist clergy and laity focusing on the 50 years after merger and how it has affected African-American congregations and their communities. My name is Vincent Harris, your host for this podcast, and we will explore uh, over the year conversations on yesterday's perspective on race, today's context of race in uh, United Methodist churches, and also visions for tomorrow. We will have guests from all walks of life, and we uh, hope that you will be able to join us in these conversations. We're still talking about race. Uh, the old uh, language was, Larry, that the, this is the church's unfinished business, uh, racism. And so I uh, just wanted to get you here today. I'm glad you came and, and grateful for you taking your time out uh, to share with us. And uh, we want to talk about race and racism and also some other uh, challenges for the church. But first of all, the obvious question, uh, you know, do you believe that racism is still uh, in, in, in this uh, context of society, the most challenging issue for for the church and society as well? Oh, I definitely do think racism is still a huge challenge, especially in our, our current political uh, climate, uh, racism. It's always been there, but uh, people have been emboldened to uh, begin again to rear their head uh, and speak their true feelings. Uh, but I definitely think it is something that is definitely still a societal ill. Yeah. Uh, and we've not dealt with it in this country. Right, yeah. right, right. So, so in the church, uh, you know, we've had this, um, this movement, I guess, of, of merger since uh, 1968. Uh, we dealt with some of the issues, but uh, if you were going to rate our work with race relations in the United Methodist Church on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the worst, 10 being the best, uh, where would you kind of land in that place? I would say probably a 4. Okay. Yeah. Any reason why? You know, I think we, and I wasn't around for the merger, of course. Uh, I'll be for, I'm almost 42, and so I was not here in 1968. Uh, but I think we have tried to to make strides. I just don't think we, we've quite gotten there yet. Uh, and in the context where I am, uh, we have churches that are uh, multicultural, multi-ethnic, uh, uh, but we still struggle, even as we try our best to uh, make the kingdom, uh, thy kingdom come on earth, uh, uh, look like a reality here on earth as it is in heaven. Sure, sure. Um, I don't know about uh, where you are in your conference, but I know that the African American churches are um, part of sort of a network and they've kind of worked together through the years in cooperation with annual conferences. Do you think that as far as African American churches, did, did the merger of what you know about the merger uh, and what you know about your conference as well for the years you've been in, in the church, uh, has the relationship um, been helped or hindered by having uh, a sort of united Methodist church? Does, that, does it make it better, or would we be in a better place possibly if we weren't in a uh, united Methodist church and kind of with some of the other uh, African uh, churches, African Methodist, Episcopal, CME, that kind of thing? I think uh, I would say both and. It's it's uh, hard to say that it's either one or the other. I think uh, sometimes we've lost some of our cultural uh, 
our, our blackness uh, as we've uh, integrated into the United Methodist Church. And of course, in my lifetime, we've always been integrated, but I just think about when I come to a, a black Methodist gathering or in a, a, a black church, uh, that spirit of black worship that, is, that has been uh, uh, from slavery, uh, we've, we've lost some of those roots. I think uh, we have, um, I would say, some of the, you know, like General Commission on Religion and Race started to make sure that we uh, were in all levels life of the church. Mm-hmm. And I think we are uh, in all levels of life of the church, probably even more than our population uh, uh, in the church. But I think uh, sometimes we have become complacent because we see ourselves in those positions uh, and we've lost uh, the fight for the struggle that is ahead mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes do not, do not challenge actual society. Yeah, I think one of the, the challenges becomes, you know, how we see ourselves uh, and whether or not we are um, involved in the, the movement forward uh, and, and not being hindered by our own issues and challenges. Uh, one of the questions is about obstacles. You know, sometimes we get in our own way. Uh, what are some of those things you think that we've done as African Americans that we've been in our own way that kind of hinders our progress toward better relations, not only with our own churches, but those outside our race as well. I think we still operate in 1968. Uh, It's a big thing for me. We are not willing to change. Uh, I think we can still be an effective force for change and for good because of our message uh, and what we have to offer, but we have got to uh, figure out new ways, new models in which to operate and in which to function. Uh, we've got to let some of the old things go and die uh, mm-hmm. so that new newness and new life uh, can emerge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've also got to cultivate leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember when I started in a professional capacity more than almost 20 years ago, mm-hmm. um, I was the young one in the room. At 42, I'm still the young one in the room. And so uh, what do we do? Who are we bringing along with us uh, in the life of the church uh, and in society? Sure, uh, sure. Um, and that you know, kind of moves me to a question about how in 68, and uh, prior to 68, the, the civil rights movement gave impetus. It, it really gave uh, some, some, some real strong motivation and, and energy to the church and its relationship to community and uh, and, and facing this whole issue of race, is there anything today, any 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 structure, any any organization that you think of that would equal that movement that could bring some some energy, some motivation to our churches today that they would see that this is an opportunity to to, to, to kind of launch from this place, even though we're not where we would have been and where we were, we could be in a better place. I see things like Black Lives Matter movement, uh, other secular movements, uh, and some of those folks are not involved in the church, even in my own Sacramento community. Uh, some of our black, younger black leadership and black leadership are not necessarily church folks. And so I see an opportunity for us to, to walk alongside with them uh, uh, to impact positive change and maybe even uh, make some disciples along the way. Uh, uh, but it's the models, I think, are going to look different than what uh, the way they looked in 1968. Yeah, and so so generationally, it, it's really about walking along with uh, those who are considered your peers and um, discerning sort of this cultural intelligence, kind of getting to know the people that you're living with and walking with them to be a part of something that's going to be different 
than what you know we read in the history books or what we hear from people who said I walk with Dr. King. We still hear people say I walk with Dr. King, but that's a whole different uh, environment now that people aren't in that place and those kinds of movements aren't really a part of the church. Uh, but as you said, people are not in church, but they're part of movements. Movements. And I, I guess the question because of how do those movements and you, I think you answered it help us to kind of get more people involved and be authentic in those relationships so that people don't see the church as a hypocritical place. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I think that, that would be something that would be helpful uh, for us to, to consider as we move forward. Um, one of the challenges, too, uh, that um, I've asked some other people about is that this present conversation on human sexuality and how or if it does, it may not even impact the black church, but do you see that conversation, you know, the broader church is talking about it, does it impact the, the, the black church any at all? Well, I think sure it does. It might actually force us to talk about human sexuality because that's something that we uh, tiptoe around and avoid like the plague. Uh, and so I think it will cause us to have to address it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like even for the larger church, I think as we, as we talk about young people, I think it's... Uh, some of those, some of the, the conversations we have in the church are non-issues to young people, and so uh, how do we maneuver those uh, into those spaces mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, have those conversations? Yeah, I, I think that because race has uh, been um, in the past, you know, a, an issue that was kind of brought to the forefront, and we have these conversations that go on now uh, with human sexuality, which uh, not putting one above the other. But knowing that these issues of race are really a constant issue that we have to deal with, but also we're living in a society that has changed. And those changes have to be acknowledged and worked through in the context of the church in order to get people connected, rather than having them separate and not building any any bridges. Um, uh, I I haven't been to uh, BMCR in a long time, but I'm here now. And one of the questions that I had for, for BMCR is that, you know, in racism, back in the day, as they say, uh, they used to call uh, BMCR a gadfly. Hmm. That was the word that was used, agitated. Uh, do you see that still being part of the, um, the milieu, the environment of BMCR, or has it kind of uh, become silent on these issues of racial justice? Oh, I think it has become silent. We're not agitating. We're not agitating at all. Um, we come together once a year, but in the meantime, uh, throughout the rest of the year, when when uh, things shake down in our society, uh, uh, we're not the voice that people come to. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe in our United Methodist News Service or those types of circles, people will come to us to ask, you know, our opinion or or what we're doing about X, Y, and Z. But as a societally, I don't think we are uh, a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Uh, because I, I look at the elders in the room now, and the, they were forced to be reckoned with. Uh, and I think now it's just, not, it's just not in that same vein. Yeah, it's not in that same vein. Um, you know, I, we've been diluted, I think, in a number of ways. But I think, again, going back to the obstacles, some, some of those are, are self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. And others are. You know, we talked, I uh, heard this morning about the 92% and the 8%. Yeah. Uh, and so we have to live in a realistic place. Uh, that we are a minority and a great majority, and how do we impact and change the culture and the conversation about race as as people who uh, have done it before, yeah. you know? And, and I think that's one of the things we need to 
to, to consider as well. Um, and I live in California, and so like even the neighborhood I live in is a diverse neighborhood uh, uh, filled with immigrants. Uh, I'm an adjunct professor, and uh, my class probably half immigrants mm. uh, from all around the world. And so that's a different conversation, even as it relates to racism and how we're going to coexist and interact together and yeah. how we're going to build coalitions together. Okay. Uh, I think there have to be coalitions now. It can't just be black folk or and Latino folk. It's, we've got to all come together across these lines because yeah. we face the same uphill battles. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've been here the longest because uh, okay. we were brought here... Uh, 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 at the beginning, at the start of this country, we've built this country. Sure. But uh, there are other folks who are here now, too, who have some of the same struggles and same issues, and we've got to figure out how to uh, uh, build coalitions. Sure, sure. Is there anything, I've kind of run out of questions, but, I, but is there anything that you would like to share uh, before we close out the, 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 the podcast today? Oh, I just think there's hope. There is hope. Uh, I always... Uh, and move in the space of hope and so uh, I think that we can be uh, a voice to be reckoned with in society and we can start to to change the course. We've just got to do some things differently we've got to let some things die uh, so the new life uh, comes forward but I believe uh, uh, in Jesus the risen Christ so there is always hope that we can create change and create a better world for sure. the good. Sure, well I, I thank you for, for your time and the great conversation I've been knowing you for a while uh, you know, I worked in Marshall, Texas around your folk yeah. uh, and uh, and, and really appreciate uh, the work that you've done uh, as, a, as a communicator in, in the United Methodist Church. I, I look forward, maybe sometime down the road when we start doing some more of these, you'll come back and, and have some conversation with us. Well, thank you. I'd be glad to. Thanks a lot, Larry.